and silence. Log Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, solar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. They got to move a lot to try to stay warm. <laughs> it yeah. is. Let me see what the current temperature is here. Blah, blah, blah. Turn it on. Oh, 59 degrees. Wow. Well, that's, okay. that's getting down there. Yeah. yeah. Although 50. it's not as bad as the Northeast. They're, they're, if any of you are listening to this oh. program live or on archives up in the Northeast, our our sympathy goes out to you because mm-hmm. they're getting smacked. I mean, I, I saw in the news four feet of snow in some areas. Wow. Central, Central Park got, uh, what they say, 10 inches, 12 inches of snow, which is more than Central Park got all of last winter. And mm. it's everywhere uh, up in the northeast. Pennsylvania has got smacked and this is really a, a snow event, as they're now calling it. I wonder if they named this one. They usually name winter storms. I don't know if this one was named. I haven't heard, but they. Uh, I remember seeing a name. I think it was like B R R R R R R. I don't know how you pronounce it. Burr. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Burr. Okay, that's that's no. <laughs> and it's a B, so that you know it's right up there in the top where yeah. they should be. Yeah. So good. Good. Right. <laughs> I remember saying something. There was a name. I don't. I forgot what it was, but I remember. Maybe it was. Do they name them different out west? If it's a you know snowstorm or big storm I like that, is it I would think not. Maybe so. I don't know. I don't know. Coming like across a, the country, you know, I I yeah. don't know. I just yeah. know that they started to name winter storms. What just only about three or four years ago, maybe longer now, but it seemed like only three or four yeah. years ago they started to name winter storms, and so. But I hadn't heard that this one was named. It just dawned on me that, you know, we can't refer to it as, we'll have to refer to it as the 2020 storm. Yep, it's Winter Storm Gale, G-A-I-L. Pennsylvania, Virginia, Maryland. Uh, Yeah, that's, I remember seeing the name somewhere and then I just, uh, yeah, this is the Northeast. uh, Winter Storm Gale hammers the Northeast quite a bit. Um, We're already up to G's? I don't remember A, B, C, yeah. D, and F. Uh, I'm seeing, uh, yeah, Billy. Yeah. Abigail, Billy, Constance, Dane, Eartha, Flynn, Gale. Wow. And then the next one's Harold. Yeah. They got all kinds of names. <laughs> I, guess, I guess the other one was other, other six were so small that they, yeah. uh, we didn't hear about it. This but, is the big one. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know what it takes it before it gets named either. I guess that's something else too. You know? Yeah. So no, yeah, no. hurricane, well. at least you name a hurricane, there's there's parameters. You know, you you know once it gets above what 75 miles an hour, up oh, it's a hurricane. Well, a tropical storm. I mean, you know, yeah, right. 45 yeah. miles an hour, you have a name. You're no longer a depression. You're a name. Right. And then uh, it follows you through, you know, whatever cycles and, and uh, until you go out and you're done. But uh, I what's the parameter for a, a winter storm name? Um, I have tonight no idea. on uh, All About Wine. It's <laughs> all about yeah. We are exploring how do they come up with winter storm names and what yeah. is the criteria? Yeah. <laughs> it just happened. Yeah. What? Why Any meteorologist out there, amateur and or mm-hmm. pro, drop us yep. an email and let us know how they come up with well, uh, I, that winter I storm. Think we need to define, I think we need to define amateur. It was raining and we called it Albert. <laughs> it's today. It's, I don't know, wet, I guess. Maybe not, maybe not, amateur. <laughs> not, not, not amateur, amateur, but you know, a, yeah, uh, semi-pro. Well, set the bar semi-pro. low. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> semi-pro meteorologist. <laughs> yeah. Just like, just like we ask for uh, people in the wine industry. You know, somebody, somebody who has a little knowledge of the wine industry. You know, uh, what's your qualification? Oh, I had a glass of wine last year. Okay, good. Yeah. And I'm drinking one yeah. right now. I think I qualify yeah. there too. <laughs> I, I, I have a pattern right of drinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's not a guy I'm looking for, but yeah, um, qualifications. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, some so someone who might know what they're talking about in yeah. meteorology. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. and or a professional then. Let us know. Drop us a line. How they, how do they come up with the parameters of naming a winter storm? That is the yeah. question out there. That's yeah. right. That's oh. response. Okay. Um, and well, welcome can, to the yeah. – go. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just no. saying uh, uh, we're still on it, but uh, welcome to the last show of uh, 2020. I almost said 2009 for some reason, but uh, last <laughs> last show – for us on 2020, and I'm not drinking wine, so there you go. Wow, you're not. That's pretty bad. Oh, no, that's sad. Still, <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, welcome to the show, and uh, we'll we'll get with it in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and it's not because of any other thing. It's just that we got a couple of holidays coming up, and so yep. we're not going to be doing shows Christmas Eve, being next uh, Thursday evening. <clears throat> Excuse me, that cough is with me again. Uh, Christmas Eve is next Thursday evening, so we will not be disturbing your Christmas Eve. And also, New Year's Eve, the following week. And we're still in COVID season, so you probably won't be going out. But still, though, we will let you have your New Year's Eve free. And uh, finish those both off with, with no shows, and then we'll get back into it. What? What would that be? The sixth or the seventh? When is the seventh? January seventh. The seventh. Okay, January seventh. Yeah. We will be back. Wow. So, yep. uh, don't don't run away from us or anything. But we'll give you a couple of weeks here before 
we get back. We were, yeah. Mike and I were just talking before the show. We already looking at guests for the new year. Uh, nothing confirmed, so we don't want to tell you about them and then say, oops, no. So we will mm-hmm. continue to look at guests for the new year. And if, as we always say, and we will say it again, we are always looking for guests. If you are a member of a winery or a vineyard or wine-related products or an enology or horticulture or any of that stuff that's associated with wine, and, you know, not like Mike just said, oh, I had a glass of wine last year and this is my second, so I'm on a pattern. No, a little bit of knowledge in wine. Uh, blogger, whatever. You know, we've had people in all sorts of different venues that are associated with wine. Uh, directors of a movie about wine. We've had authors. We've had all sorts of stuff. Are you, or if you know anyone in any of those categories, email us and we will be happy to get you onto the program in 2021. So. It's something to look forward to, something to do. And it looks like we're going to be locked in for the beginning of 2021 anyway, so give you a good chance to do that. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, speaking of guests and authors and everything, I'm going to let Mike do this again because he did such a wonderful job with his memory of remembering all this stuff. I'm going to let him remember again. Uh, about uh, our authors and the books that are available and the movies that are available and all the information on that because it's good things for the holidays. I mean, if you're looking for some virtual holiday presents, then uh, we've got a movie that's very good about wine and we've got a couple of e-books. We've got a couple of books you can get through Amazon, all that stuff. So I'll let Mike tell you about all these things. All right, Mike, take it away. Take it oh, away. Um, oh, <laughs> I thought that was somebody else. Uh, October no, the no, 8th, you, we you had... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Back on uh, October the 8th, we had uh, co-directors uh, Mark Johnson and Mark Ryan and writer uh, Michael Karam, Karam? Uh, Karam. with the... Uh, he wrote the Wines of Lebanon book, um, uh, and he was also the author of the documentary, uh, and something that I didn't know is wine has been in Lebanon uh, culture for 7,000 years. Uh, Whoa. The uh, movie is – yeah, huh? that's what I have written down. The uh, movie yeah. is about survival, resilience, uh, and the struggles. It's called Wine and War, the untold story of wine in the Middle East. And uh, when you go view it, uh, there is a uh, very a small fee for that, uh, and I'll tell you more about how to, how to get there. But uh, the fee goes towards uh, raising money for CAPHO, C-A-P-H-O. Uh, for more information, go to wineandwar.com. Uh, click on the Watch Now button. It'll take you to Altavod. Uh, uh, yeah, it's the uh, couple of families um, service, I guess. Uh, and uh, it's a, there's also a virtual cinema you can watch it on as well. And um, that takes care of it's Wine and War, the untold story of wine in the Middle East. Go to wineandwar.com for more information and to watch the movie. Uh, then on October 15th, we welcomed back to the show Jim Lochran. Uh He's a certified wine educator and author. Uh, you can go to jimlochran.com and um, – he he's just writing. I mean, he he, uh, he likes to make wine accessible to people and uh, get rid of the fancy lingo and all that stuff. But he came out with 
uh, two short guides, very easy reads, very nice reads, and a lot of information in them. Um, a 15-minute guide to red wine was the first one. It's only 28 pages, um, six to 21, six, pages 6 through 21 is the actual text, and then uh, 22 through 28 are uh, recommendations. Uh, and it's a very, very good read. And he followed that up with the 15-minute guide to white wine, and uh, those are available on Amazon Virtual. Uh, you can read it as an ebook, um, and a very good read and a, and, a, and a cool guide to keep with you as well. Uh, we then celebrated uh, Halloween uh, with our special uh, Halloween show on October 28th. We had Joy Neighbors. Uh, she has been a returning guest as well, and uh, she has a book. It's been out now for, I think, a couple of years, actually. I think it was 2017 or 2018, I think it came out. Originally, uh, it's called the Family Tree Cemetery Field Guide, and it's it's a how-to. It's how to find, uh, record, and preserve your ancestors' graves. Uh, some of the topics are uh, cemetery records, uh, crash course, finding your ancestors' graves. Um, the different parts are planning your trip to the cemetery, uh, researching, making sense of your research, and digging deeper is uh, one of the chapters in there, uh, which actually covers other records, uh, preserving cemeteries. And it's available at uh, Amazon, of course, and also Barnes and Nobles and other um, bookstores. Uh, so you can get it in hard print as well as for your Kindle reader and, and order it from Amazon as well as uh, your big box uh, um, uh, bookstores. So uh, check it out. That is the Family Tree Cemetery Field Guide how to find, record, and preserve your ancestors' graves. And it is a, it is a great read as well, and there's, there's a lot of good information in there. Uh, if you're interested in, in uh, genealogy, is it genealogy, yeah, genealogy. I keep thinking, I don't know why I keep thinking anthrop, anthrop, no, the anthropology. You know? There's all, <laughs> all sorts of ologies yeah. out there, yeah. Yeah, ologies, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, it's a great, uh, great, great source of information and a very interesting read as well. So uh, that's that's all I can remember right now. I don't know if I forgot anybody. Mm. I apologize. Yeah, you did. Of, of our, uh, our 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 friend who uh, had the book recorded and by right. William Shatner. Uh, I go. I knew there was something and I couldn't remember what the heck it was. That was that was our latest guest. I know I have it. Don't. Um, I mentioned it before, and let me go see if I do a keyword here. Yeah, that's who I was on. Uh, Michael Brown, November nineteenth. Yep. Uh, we had Michael Brown on the show, and uh, he is the author of Pino Rocks. Uh, he's also a winemaker as well, and uh, you can find Pino Rocks uh, just about any format. And audio format, you can find it on Amazon.com as well. Uh, he started writing it about four and a half years ago and released it uh, just before, about a week before the show in November. Uh, and it was a, a number one bestseller on Amazon. Um, and they do ship, uh, uh, ship but uh, they sell out really quick, too. So uh, check that out. That is written um, by Michael Brown. And the book is called Pinot, P-I-N-O-T, Rocks, R O C K S. So, like, yeah, I gotta add that to my uh, remembering. Put that one in the corners yeah. of your mind there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely have to do that. Thank you very much. Uh, write that down. 
So and that, thank you for covering all those. Uh, yeah, these are guests we've had on there. They, they're, you know, authors and, you know, the movies and stuff. I've uh, read most of them. Good read, good holiday gifts if you're looking for something for people to, <clears throat> if, uh, excuse me again, if anyone's into genealogy, like Mike was saying, that, that's an excellent book that Joy uh, wrote. And uh reason it's been two years since we knew about it, because it's been over two years since we last talked to her. Uh, we usually talk to her yeah. every, holiday, uh, every Halloween season, and we did it for a couple of years there for some reason. So uh, she came out with a book. She worked, uh, she worked at a haunted distillery uh, or something? Uh, distillery, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she worked at a haunted right. distillery. And, yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. That was that. Was um, yeah. <laughs> a couple of years since we talked to her. So it's good to, it was good to get in touch with her again, at, you know, right before Halloween there. But in, uh, in her new book. So, uh, you know, check that out. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me again. And also the movie, uh, great movie. Uh, a lot of history in there. It's not uh, just about, the Lebanon struggles for Lebanon wine, but it's also the first part of the movie. <coughs> Excuse me, i got to catch in my throat. Oh, geez. First part of the movie is a little bit of history and talking about wine in that region and stuff like that. And like Mike said, they've been making it for ever. So, uh, good show. Uh, good movie and well worth a watch during this holiday season too. So again, mm-hmm. thank you, Mike, for going through all that stuff and uh, getting everybody up to date on that. Uh, I just got things for you tonight. Just you know, bits and pieces, uh, different notes that I've made, different things I've highlighted, and I just haven't spent time on any of them. None of them is very long. It's just bits of information I'm going to throw out to you here. I don't know how long it's going to take me to go through these. Uh, my engineer did bring me uh, wine for the evening. Uh, she brought me in the glass and the bottle. It's a Fetzer. Uh, you might be familiar with Fetzer. It's, they've been around for quite some time, actually. But the Fetzer Cabernet Sauvignon. And let me tell you what the label says and what it says on it here. Uh, it says, Pioneers in Sustainability, California 2017, uh, Fetcher Valley Oaks Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, they were established in 1968. Oh, good for them. Yeah. I remember Fetcher was new and young when I lived out there. In 1968, Barney Fetcher's hand, uh, hand, hard work and pioneering nature revolutionized California winemaking. Based on Barney's belief that what's good for the earth is good for the wine, Fetcher continues its heritage of sustainable farming, energy conservation, and social responsibility. Our Cabernet Sauvignon appreciates the warmer vineyards of California's lower foothills, bringing our elegant flavors of black cherry and chocolate. And it says, we are proud to be certified B Corporation, part of a growing movement using business as a force for good. And they are certified B 
Corporation, which, you know, I mean, that's great and that's wonderful, but tell us more about that. What is a certified B Corporation in wine? I mean, it always drives me nuts when any business does that. Uh, we have been we have been certified by ABUW, and or we are a proud member of ABUW. And, you know, and nobody knows what that means, and nobody knows what it's like, and you're supposed to be impressed with it. We don't know. I don't know what a B corporation is. I'm. I've heard so. I've heard of it. If I could, if I can remember, a certified B corporation. If this is from memory, I think no, it's no, a business that, <laughs> that meets the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance, public transparency, and legal accountability to balance profit and purpose. That's according okay. to OregonWine. dot org. <laughs> so, okay. Well, you know, yeah, it so, sounds like. It sounds like uh, that other certification, I, I can't remember what it was now, but uh, uh, the winery we talked to that had the, uh, what, uh, set the sales or something, I can't think of the name of the winery now, but it's the, the, the one that was selling, and they had that certification. It sounds something like that, It's uh, where they had the... Yeah. Um, all the overall, everything goes into getting the certification. I mean, even people in the front office that fill out forms and stuff. So for shipping, they they all have to meet certain criteria, certain standards. So it sounds like that B Corporation, certified B Corporation, is something along that line. So very good. I, I love that memory of yours to be able to pull it up. Thanks. That's that's good. So. Uh, to learn more, visit Fetzer.com. So if you want to find out, F-E-T-Z-E-R, Fetzer.com. I don't know, learn more about Fetzer or learn more about B Corporation or whatever. I don't know, but I'm sure they'll have more in there about B Corporation. But let's see what it's like, let me tell you. Uh, a pleasant color, a little thin. I, you know, personally, Fetzer's wines always, in my opinion, seem to be a little thin in color, which is okay because they usually bring out good characteristics, but it's not real dark. I'm picking up just a little bit of oak, not much in it, uh, some some oak. Black cherry's coming out. I'm getting more plummy than I am black cherry, though. I guess that's okay, you know, but uh, a little bit more plummy. And I'm looking for that chocolate they say is there, and I'm not detecting it. I, not yet, anyway. A little bit of chocolate. I'm getting a little bit of chocolate in the taste. Yeah. It's coming out in the taste. Wasn't getting it in the nose. My engineer in the background is saying, "Yep, it's it's there, but not in the nose so much as in the taste." You can pick up the chocolate, particularly in the aftertaste. It's coming out quite well in the aftertaste. A little chocolate undertones to it, and. uh uh, balanced out well with the with the black cherry plumminess I'm getting on it. Nice wine, young, fruity. If you're looking for something that's a compliment to what you're going to have over the holiday here, uh, this would be good. It's not real, real heavy. It's not a real dry Cabernet Sauvignon. 
it is dry, but it's not one of those puck-your-mouth dries. The tannins are really low. And I'm not getting uh, an overabundance of acid, so it's going to be one of those nice Cabernets that if you're not into heavy reds, this is something that I think you would enjoy a lot. So check it out. Uh, just Fetzer Cabernet Sauvignon. This one, I think, is the 2018, did I say? No, this is the 2017. Uh, I don't even know if that's available now. It's probably 18 or 19 that they have out now. But Fetzer, Valley Oaks Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay. Now, like I say, I've got stuff to tell you. And let's see. Let's start with this one here. And... Supreme Court opens another case. I mentioned that last week. No more word on it or anything, just that they've opened another case. And they're going to be looking at that probably after the holiday break. And we'll find out what's going on with that. Wine.com, here's something else. Wine.com, America's leading online wine retailer, uh, closed the first half of the fiscal year of 2021 with a $176 million in revenue, $176 million. That represents a growth of 217% over last year. Wine.com has a little alter for COVID-19, and they, I'm sure, make sacrifices to it every day because that's how they have grown so much over the past year is because of COVID-19 and their shipping. They ship all over. We've talked about it, um, about uh, wine.com and how much is jumping up. It says that uh, 20, uh, $49 per year unlimited shipping program increased by 123%, and it's over the last 12 months. And the... Uh, Revenue from Wine.com mobile devices increased by 105% to uh, $100 million. And the in the states where it is currently equipped to sell spirits, which is California, Florida, New Jersey, and New York, sales have grown to 10% of the total revenue in those states. Total revenue in those states, not total revenue through Wine.com, but in those states it has jumped up. So COVID-19 has really done well for this business. They are shipping wines all over. They say our team of sommeliers, which is our recommendations team, is doubling from about 45 to 100 people. And our customer service team overall is expanding from around 100 to almost 450 people. So they are, like I say, the ones that are more thrilled probably than anybody in the wine business about COVID-19. You can just look at that and see. Okay, let's see what else. California wildfire smoke in 2020 takes toll on wine country. We know that. We've talked about that. We know what it's done, everything. This article, uh, this article says basically... Well, it pops a picture in front of me, so I can't do it. Oh, my gosh, that's sad. It shows what the smoke has done to some grapevines. This year marks California's most destructive wildfire season in history. 
Wine country has suffered an especially damaging toll, with hundreds of thousands of acres burnt. The smell of soot in the air and grapes covered and spoiled by smoke and ash. So it's it's sad what this year has done to the wine industry in California and Oregon and Washington. We can't forget those. And we can also drop down to Australia and what has done this last this last year early the class fire in California went through more than 66,000 acres or so, and it's just turned upside down some areas. It's uh, Napa took a hit of something like $100,000 just from the investment in the grapes themselves, and that's not counting the harvesting and processing and all that stuff. And so small businesses are struggling major, major struggling out in California, small wineries because of the fires and stuff that are still... And then you've got this COVID-19, which they're trying to struggle through on top of it. And a lot of them are going out of business. I hate to say that, and I hate to hear that, but a lot of the small independent wineries in California and Oregon and Washington did not survive the wildfires and the COVID combination. Okay, let's see what else here. Uh, it says coronavirus boasts winery camaraderie. Yeah, it does. I'm sure it does. I didn't read the article. I just glanced at it here, but I'm sure it did help a lot of wineries start caring for each other and, and what was going on and all that. So, okay, let me. Oh, that's not what I wanted to hear. Let me. Let's see. Chinese wine tariffs will have a global impact, and I'm seeing this pop up a lot on my my feeds, my my news sites that I get concerning wine. It's a Chinese wine tariff. It, they put it in because crippling wine tariffs imposed by Chinese on Australian wine could lead to worldwide chain reaction. And they're having a battle. Australia and China is having a battle over over wine tariffs. Uh, Australia's trade war with China will have a huge impact on the wine world. Uh, Australia has a lot of expensive wine to sell and no place to sell it. China announced tariffs on Australian wine of 107% to 212%. Australia's trade minister called it a devastating blow, and he said that the wineries are unable to handle this. It's shocking how dependent Australia's $3 billion wine industry is, especially the high-end wines are on Australia, are on China, which, you know, you would never think. First, Australia has been spending 40% of its exports and 25% of its wine produces to China. I said spending, sending to China. Uh, it's uh, second. China is paying much more for Australian wine per bottle than any other major importer except through Singapore. The uh, the figures include bulk wine, which isn't sold in bottles, so there are 750 milliliter bottle equivalents. Here are those average bottle wholesale prices for eight Australia's nine largest importers. Germany, going up $1.14. UK dollar eighteen, Netherlands dollar eighty nine, Japan two twenty eight, US two dollars and twenty eight cents, New Zealand two thirty, 
Canada two forty six and China six dollars and eighty six cents a bottle increase. And it said it says Singapore is Australia's fifth largest importer by volume, but it isn't listed because uh imported by countries isn't listed and this is an importer and all that. So don't have the exact numbers. But the tariffs running back and forth between Australia and China and the battle there could start affecting world sales on Australian wines. And it it just will be Australian wines. It's not going to be everybody else, but just Australian wines. But that could be devastating to Australian wines if we start seeing increases like that because there are too many decently priced wines on the market that will battle Australia for sales. And so we'll see. We'll see what's happening. I'm seeing this pop up, this Chinese tariff on what Australia is going to do. They're going to have to lower their prices other places, especially on the high-end wines, to try to get sales, try to get the sales to jump up because they're losing, like I just said, 40% of their high-end wines are being sold to China right now, and which will give them a a hole of not being able to sell those wines. Okay. Here's something else that I saw, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, uh, we'll see. It is a study carried out in France that's showing that plastic cling film can successfully remove 246-trichloronosol, or TCA, also known as cork taint. And I've said this before, years, a few years ago, I think I I talked about this, but a study conducted by uh, the Institut Scientifique de la Vigne et du Vin, or ISVV, much easier, in Bordeaux, reportedly showed that prolonged immersion of wine in contact with plastic was capable of removing up to 82% of TCA molecules. Unfortunately, the type of plastic used has to be very specific. Okay, you can't just grab a wrapper that you got in the mail and throw in the bottle. Professor Pierre-Louis Tissardre from the ISVV told Vittosphere that we didn't use standard kitchen film, but one composed of a mix of synthetic polyfibers certified for domestic use. But he didn't tell us what the commercial availability was of this. So, in the study, the researchers took three barrels filled with 2013 Vintage Red, a blend of 70% Cabernet Sauvignon and 30% Merlot that had been aged in Baroque for 24 months. Barrel 1 was affected with 1 milligram of TCA, barrel 2 with 3, and barrel 3 with 9. Cork tain is usually perceptible at 1.5 milligrams to three milligrams, making the first barrel just on the cusp of noticeable and the third extremely so. The plastic wrap was then added to each barrel and tests were taken after eight hours. At this stage, the plastic was found to have bound 47% to 57% of the TCA molecules 
and the concentration of TCA fell by an average of 74 to 82% after soaking for 24 hours and up to 48 hours, at which point further samples were taken for analysis. The researchers noted that before the experiment began, the uh, halonolensole uh, PCA and TBA were not detected in the wines analyzed. However, they all contained traces of TCA, which were eliminated after eight hours, or TECA, I'm sorry, TECA, which is 2346 uh, which were eliminated after eight hours. See all these different chemicals that you're going to find in wine? It's just amazing. Furthermore, the use of the cling film used by the researchers did not substantially affect conventional analogical parameters, which included the pH, the density of the alcohol, total the volatile acidity, glucose, on and on and on, nor did it affect the color. After 24 hours, however, a slight increase in anthocyanins, which is related to color, was noted in barrel 1 and 3. It was also noted that the plastic had perhaps absorbed a certain amount of ethyl esters, compound related to fruity aromas in wine. One question about the true impact of the plastic film on the fruity perception in the wine remained unanswered. Can the decline of certain fruity compounds caused by the use of plastic film impact red wine fruity character expression and perception in the absence of the masking effect of TCA. To add to this, a wine without TCA was subjected to a 48-hour soak. And afterwards, it was concluded that treatment with the film does not affect the fruity perception. Well, that's good. The authors concluded, the obtained results are encouraging for the wine sector as this treatment effective in reducing cork taint very significantly is easy to implement and might help restore an acceptable quality organophilic potential for wines contaminated with HAS. Since the plastic film used is fully food grade, its use possesses no risk to the chemical composition of the wine. <coughs> Excuse me. And again... No, they didn't tell us what the plastic was. It could have been cling wrap. It could have been anything we don't know. So there you go, but it has been. I've heard this. I've heard this reported before, that you can wad up cling wrap, throw it into a glass of wine or a decanter that is affected by TCA, and it will remove it. I have never tested it personally because I've have not had a bottle that has been infected with TCA lately. I had one you know, a number of years ago. last one I had that I detected TCA was many years ago. But uh, it's uh, a new breakthrough for us there. So if I see anywhere, if you see anywhere, let me know. If I see anywhere, I'll let you know what it is that will remove that TCA from your bottle of wine. Okay, oh, that's good. Let's go on to something else here. Like I say, just different reports on different things. 
Uh, here's a headline on this. I'm not going to tell you because the headline pretty much tells you everything. It says, report California tourism economy cut in half in 2020 because of the coronavirus pandemic, which we can pretty much figure that is true simply because you couldn't travel and all that. And then the latest shutdown has really started to affect wineries again. They were doing outdoor tastings, and the newest shutdown by the California governor said you've got to stop those. And they are screaming and yelling and hollering, and they're getting in their way because they're saying that they can do outdoor tastings as long as they do the social distancing properly and everything and all, all that. So maybe that will help them. I don't know, but it's something that the wineries in California are really concerned about because it's, well, how can you sell wine if you don't have people in there? How can you taste wine if you don't have people in there? I saw something where virtual tasting is going to be the thing of the future. Yeah, maybe. It will be more so than it has been in the past, I think, is a better way to put it. I don't think it's going to be the wave of the future, simply because I'd much rather sit inside a winery and have them pour me a wine and tell me the story behind it than I would be on a video call, Zoom or whatever, and have a dozen people on there and not be able to get that real reaction. And that's just personal. I would rather be able to sit there and ask them, by the way, am I detecting a little bit in this? And let me see the bottle and let me read the label and stuff like this, which you really can't do. Although the virtual tasting, they do it a number of different ways. One way, they send you a list of the wines that you're going to be tasting. You go out and buy them or you order the wines from them. And once you get them, you contact them and say, I've got your wines, let's do a tasting. And they set up a tasting that way. Those are the couple of ways that I've heard that they do it. And then there's also stores that are doing it that you buy the wines and they'll sit down with you on a uh, electronic or a virtual tasting. I haven't done a virtual tasting, I have to admit. It's something I haven't done yet. I suppose I should just to see how the thing goes. I already, I, I, <laughs> already against it, so therefore I, it's going to have to be better than just good to convince me because I'm just... Like I say, I'd rather be there in person to do it. But they're saying that it's going to be taking over a lot of the future tastings. The virtual tasting is here to stay forever and ever. So, let's see, is there anything else in this? No, there's nothing one in this. I'm looking at the different pages that I've got here. Uh, is this the one? Uh, yeah, I think... No, it isn't. I biochar. Okay, here it is. Biochar, Tablas Creek Vineyard. Tablas Creek Vineyard, located in, in uh, California. They are well. They're. The subscriptions and stuff go through Sudbury, Massachusetts, but uh, they're located in Sonoma. They are doing biochar, and they just, if you're not a subscriber to their blog, it's interesting read. It's uh, Tablas Creek Vineyard 
HabitsGreekVineyard.com and subscribe to their their uh, well blog Tablets Creek. Uh, it's what it says here, but it is an interesting every month, every three weeks or so, they send out the blog. I, I don't think it's every week. I, I may be mistaken. I usually read them since they come in, and I don't pay much attention to the cycle. But this is the one dated November 17th, so it's it's a month, month old. But this is talking about biochar. And I, I read this, and I was so interested in it, and I went ahead and looked it up on Internet, you know, through Wikipedia and, you know, some other sources. Biochar is what they're doing, <laughs> what they're doing to the Amazon, uh, Amazon forest. They're cutting down, although they're not doing it sustainably, they're doing it just to get rid of trees so they can plant palm trees for palm oil. But they're burning down everything and making a charcoal, uh, like a charcoal Forget. And it's well, let me let me find one of the reasons biochar's making let me this is this is from the the Tablets Creek blog from the seventeenth of November. It says one of the reasons biochar is making such a huge comeback in today's regenerative farming world is that it's fairly easy to make. You start with a biomass, in our case, grapevine prunings and fallen logs and brush that we've collected while cleaning our forest understory to keep our fire risk down. Add some kind of receptacle or even just a cone-shaped hole in the ground. You then light the fuel on fire, burning the material from the top down. The gases that are contained in that biomass beneath the fire combust and burn off, but leave almost all the carbon behind. If done properly, there is very little carbon dioxide released into the atmosphere. Imagine a smokeless fire, if you will. Once the fire has burned through your polyp biomass, you are left with a form of nearly pure carbon or biochar. This would be the simplest way of creating biochar for small producers. There are many other forms of production as well. There are larger kin-style burners all the way to industrial-style setups that companies like Pacific Biochar are using. But in all cases, the idea is that you are turning raw fuel into a stable form of carbon as effectively as possible. So that basically sums up biochar for you. And, you know, it, it captures uh, the carbon. Uh, that's one of the main things. It improves your soil because of the crystalline structure of it. One gram of biochar can contain conservatively over 2,000 square feet of surface area. Now you go, what? But... One gram contains this because it has so many different shapes and sizes and so many different things when laid out over 2,000 square feet of carbon area. That surface area has the ability to hold on to both nutrients and water molecules and release them slowly over time as needed. So that's why biochar is good in farming. 
they have incorporated biochar in all sorts of farming methods. Uh, they, uh, Tavis Creek Vineyard is using for just about everything. They're not planting a, a uh, they're not they're not doing a mowing in the center of the grapevines. They're just doing a cover crop. These it says in another paragraph from that same blog. Beyond the fact that Baltar has the ability to increase yields of grapevines and soil moisture holding capacity, on-site production of Baltar provides an alternative to the burn piles that pollute the air in many farm areas while also releasing massive amounts of CO2 in the atmosphere. Every farming property has to deal with biomass collected from the previous growing season, but choosing to produce Baltar with that biomass is a win-win, creating a product that helps our vineyards while significantly reducing air pollution and CO2 release. So biochar, interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, I They do biochar in Amazon, and this is really what they They burn the products down, and they get charcoal, basic charcoal from it, and they use that charcoal. They make charcoal for burning in homes and stuff, but they also use it to fertilize the soil, which the soil is already very fertilized for being in the rainforest. And then they grow palm, and that's where we get palm oil. Uh, they take the palm and get and squeeze and get the oil. That's you know those who are pro Amazon forest say before you buy anything, check and see if it contains palm oil. And if it contains palm oil, don't buy it because it's they're burning the Amazon forest. Which is true, but it depends on how how proactive you are on that stuff. But biochar is a better way to do it because it's it's better soil fertility and water holding capacity. It's a healthier compost pile. It helps reduce fire hazard, and it creates more graceful land for whatever you have, and the conditions for regrowth of native vegetation are better, and more carbon in the soil and less CO2 produced. So it's like the quadruple win on something like that. It just helps all the way around. So biochar, cool stuff, and Tablas Creek is doing that, so even cooler for them. I'm, I'm glad to Glad to see it, and I'd like to see more wineries do something like that because it's it's more sustainability. I mean, they talk about the sustainability whenever we talk to the ones that do this organic and biodynamic and all these other type of things. When I say, oh, by the way, do you do biochar? And see where they're at on that stuff. All right. So I want to... Wanted to bring that up to you about the biochar. That was okay. Where am I on this now? What am I doing? Oops, I'm looking at the wrong wrong page here. That could be a reason why I can't find what I want. There I am. Okay, Whispering Oaks Winery. We haven't talked about different wineries lately and all that because not too many people are doing too many stuff. But all of our standards, Whispering Oaks and uh, one in Iowa, oh, geez, uh, 
Choosing that and 
all these other wineries around Florida are going, wait a minute now, we're Wines of Florida too. Why do they do that? But winesofflorida.com, or you can call them. And this is for reservations for any of these things or to register or any of that stuff. 352-748-0449. So uh, they got circus all through the month of January and weekend meals and all sorts of good stuff going on. Plus they have live music almost every weekend and different things going on. So... Whispering Oaks Winery. And, let's see, Tampa's Creek has, uh, oh, I haven't read that article, so I don't want to tell you about it because I haven't read it. I don't want to read it while I'm talking to you on that particular one because it's a long article. And let's see, what else do I want to talk about here? Uh, Five Laws, 2020. uh, Virtual tastings. I just read an article on virtual tastings here to stay, and <clears throat> it's becoming the thing more and more, and not just here anywhere in the states that you're listening, but all around the world. If you're listening to me from any other country, you're probably doing virtual tastings there too, because that's what's going on. That's what's happening now. The virtual tasting is becoming a popper thing just about everywhere you go. Uh, California wineries braced for big losses during the holiday season after looming lockdown. Following news of the lockdown, winery owners and executives out the Bay Area and Napa said that while they understand the public health concerns, they are disappointed and concerned about the loss of revenue during December. Can't blame them. It's a tough time. When I heard the governor of California announced that he was going to be locking down California going into the holiday season, I'm thinking, oh, no, the poor wineries. And you know, these, these places that sell that stuff that are open to, I mean, that's, that's their people's income, and they're open for that, and then they're going to close it down. And believe me, I don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not a no-masker. I wear my mask religiously when I'm out. I mean, I'm, I'm high risk. I'm older, and I've got diabetes, and so therefore I am aware of all that. But still, that doesn't stop me for feeling very bad for these places that count on the holiday season to get them through, to give them the boost into the next year. A lot of places without the holiday boost can't make it through what, July, August. Uh, they start getting stalled in money from there. So really, really do feel sorry and feel bad for those people. Uh, it, uh, they're saying here that uh, this, this one article here says you couldn't do any worse to a winery. Uh, because the uh, shutting down the tastings and all that, all the local wineries' uh, biggest sales period of the year uh, has lined up with the governor's two-week freeze on outdoor dining, and it's in Oregon also. This is not just California. This is Oregon. On Thursday, Oregon wineries were allowed to resume outdoor tasting, but only after missing two the two previous weeks. And they're saying it's just it's killing them. It's killing them on the on the sales and revenue and everything. So they're 
wanting them to lighten up. They said they are conscious about the COVID, and they know the devastation. And a lot of the wineries say they have people are out because of COVID, but they are very cautious about it. So, uh, let's see, is this one winery try to recover by offering a take-home tasting kit, which they ship for $30, and it's the wines and stuff of their winery. So, just another thing, Oregon also is doing their share of shutting down and not doing anything uh, because of the COVID. Uh, second surge, it happened because of Thanksgiving. We all pretty much know that. And they said it was going to be a surge, but that still doesn't make it any less financially hard on all the businesses out there that are trying to survive through this. Okay, this is uh, another one. What was I going to do on this? This is the world's best California wines. I was going to go through this quickly with you. To, yeah. Oh, and, and while this is coming up here, let me tell you. It's coming into the season. Drink champagne or sparkling wine or Prosecco or any of them. I mean, there's lots of different names for them out there, but any bubbly, drink them during the holiday and then continue to drink them. I haven't preached about the benefits of drinking that bubbly wine in a long time. I used to talk about it almost every show and mention, you know, drink your bubblies, but haven't done that in a long time. So drink your bubblies. Enjoy them. They are reasonably priced, all of them out there, and be sure to enjoy them for the holiday season. There are some great ones out there you can try. You can get sweet ones, you can get dry ones, all sorts of different styles. I did a program, I don't know how long ago, if you look on the archives on our uh, site, you can probably find where I talked about champagnes and bubbies and all the different styles and all that. So check that out and then enjoy those during the holidays uh, coming up here. And I say holidays, that's Christmas and New Year's and Kwanzaa and Annika and I don't know if there's any others that I miss. I'm sure there are. There's, you know, Festivus and all sorts of stuff. And let's see. Monday we have the first day of winter. And so, <coughs> so the winter solstice is uh, always up. Uh, Monday is over. Uh, I'm sorry? I was just thinking, we, we were in the 30s a couple of weeks ago or Whenever that was. I think winter's already here. I don't know. <laughs> it is here, yeah. Right now, I mean, tonight is supposed to be down to, to low 40s. That's winter. I mean, you know, that's, I say that for us. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the winter solstice is, is a big celebration for a lot of people also. All right, here we go. I'm going to read you this. This is the world's best California wines on Wine Searcher. And I've used Wine Searcher as a, a source here before on different things. But these are the top California wines on Wine Searcher. Uh, top 10. Number 10, Promontory out of Napa Valley, score 96, $754. Peter Michael Point Rouge Charnay out of Sonoma, score of 96, $414. And I think that's the cheapest on the list. Yeah, it is. 
Schrader Sellers Boxstoffer to Kalen Vineyards Cabernet Sauvignon in Napa. Score ninety six four hundred and thirty dollars. Number six is that six one two three four five seven no number seven. Colgen Sellers nine Roman numeral nine Estate Red in Napa Valley score ninety six five hundred and forty six dollars. These are seven fifty bottles too, by the way. Six Sinqua Non Cumulus Vineyard next to Ken K Y N in the Central Coast. Absolutely never heard of, of any of these so far. I really haven't. Uh score of ninety six four hundred and ninety one dollars. Schrader Sellers, I've heard of that. Old Sparky Cabernet Sauvignon, Napa Valley, score of ninety six, six hundred and ten dollars. Abreu Vineyards, uh, Thurvelos Cabernet Sauvignon, Napa Valley, ninety six five hundred sixty six dollars a bottle. Abreu Vineyard, Madrona Ranch Cabernet Sauvignon, ninety six four hundred and sixty dollars. That's number three in the number fours. $106 more. Screaming Eagle, Cabernet Sauvignon, Napa Valley. I've heard of that. Uh, 96 is the score. And the most expensive one on the list, $3,669. You're going, what? Yeah, not something we normally just go out and buy for an evening of enjoying wine. And number one, bestseller, on Wine Searcher magazine, uh, Wine Searcher website, Harlan Estate out of Napa, score of 97, only one that gives higher than 96, $1,164. So there's your top 10 wines. Exactly, yeah. Uh, if you were to buy all of them, it would only run you $9,104 for all of them. Last year you could have got the top ten for eight thousand seven hundred sixty three dollars, but this year it's up to nine thousand one hundred and four. So yeah. if you're out looking for the top ten wine wine searcher uh website. I've used it a lot. Wine searcher is a good site. They list just about everything you want and all the different ones and all that. Oh, world's best California wines. I just read that. Stay-at-home orders are hurting people. I just told you about that. And let's see. I'm not quite done. What is this one? Uh, This says, after 2020, what's next for wine? Well, it says basically it's going to be 2020.2. It's going to be about the same for the first part of 2020 until the vaccination gets widespread. So, <coughs> excuse me. So that's what we've got to look forward to at the beginning of the new year is the repeat of the old year starting all over again. Uh, wine Spectator's Wine of the Year. I don't know if you get the magazine or not. I do, but this is an article here. Wine Spectator's Wine of the Year. Wine Spectator unveiled its Wine of the Year for 2020. It is a 2010 Grand Reserve Rojo Special. Roja Special. The release scored 96 points from the magazine and retails for $139. A 2010. 
The announcement caps a week of celebrating Wine Spectator's best wines of the year, including a 2012 Champagne, a 2016 Barola, a 2016 Mount Vedran Cabernet Sauvignon, and a 2018 Sonoma County Pinot Noir, among others. On Monday, Wine Spectator will announce the full 100. And let me see what the date is on this. Where is the date? Uh, Dates December the 11th, so I guess the Monday is coming up here. No, it was. It's past. It's just last Monday. So the 14th. So they've already came out with their top 100. In fact, yeah, here I just found the link. I'm not going to go down through them with you if you're interested. Wine Spectator. And uh, I'm sure you can find the top 100, their list of the top 100 through them. This is through... uh, Shankin News Daily here talking to wine and spirits and beer uh, site. But go to Wine Spectator and they'll they'll have the list there. Or get the magazine. That's an even easier way to do it. They have it listed in the magazine. I just got the newest issue and it is listed in that. Okay. And trying to clear, clean up here before the new... Before we have a couple of weeks break here, uh, and this is oh yeah, China's love affair with Australian wines ends in a messy breakup. I was reading you about that earlier. Trillium is also hosses back to back auctions. Idaho Drive. SCV, so a self-driving farm tracker rolls out for service in California vineyards. So you don't have to have a person on it, just send it out there and let it do its thing. Uh, and I saved this for a reason. Where is the... Uh, police... French police had a sting operation and they found uh, stolen Grand Cru's worth millions of dollars in their sting operation. Good for them. It just seems like whenever you hear about the police getting involved in things with wines and stuff like that, it's always in France or or Germany or sometimes in the United States. It's just like the police just don't get involved with wines. I suppose they do they just like it's newsworthy here and let's see i got one other thing here and this is uh western oregon ohio trade french financial well oh yeah Kentucky is to begin permitting direct-to-customer and shipping of alcohol. Yay. Uh, that's been one of them that hasn't been doing it, and the governor signed it into law. So this is something good here. Uh, the uh, Kentucky Bill HB 415 uh, which established new rules permitting direct-to-consumer Shipping of alcoholic beverages was signed in by the governor on December the 14th, and is allowing it to be shipped shipping to beginning in the state. Uh, the approval has been going on for 
years, and they finally got it written up and all that, so it finally passed both the Kentucky houses and the governor signed it. Kentucky's bill will allow all alcoholic beverages to be shipped to the state's residents. However, and there's always that however, only parties that hold a production license issued by their home state will be eligible for a license to direct ship to consumers, meaning retailers are not permitted to ship direct to consumer into Kentucky. If you have a have a license, a production license, you can. But if you're just a, a sales retailer, you can't. But that's a step in the right direction. That's everything helps. Every every step we take in the right direction is even better. And obviously, like anything, they have a whole list of rules and stuff here. I'm not going to go through those because unless you live in Kentucky, you're just not interested. And if you do live in Kentucky, look it up. I'm sure it's all over the place now because they haven't had that available ever. And so there we go. All right. Have yourself a wonderful holiday, be it Christmas or New Year's or Kwanzaa or Winter Solstice celebrations or uh, Hanukkah or Mm -hmm. any other celebration that might be happening over the next couple, three weeks. And we will be back on the 7th. Wow. Next year. It's already year. upon us. Yeah. yeah got rid of uh, 2021. <laughs> yeah. So far, anyway, we're not out of it. I'm, we're already celebrating yeah. 2020. All right, we got rid of 2020. We're already celebrating 2021. and But we still got yeah. like three weeks of 2020 yet to go. So we really shouldn't say too much yet. So. Hmm. Uh, nope. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess we will uh, end the show for the evening. Um, just a quick uh, thank and you to everyone year. out there uh, for the year. Yeah, and uh, thank you all for tuning in for the year. And uh, um, hope you you have enjoyed this. And uh, we will be back January seventh, twenty twenty one, or twenty twenty point two, and uh, for. <laughs> Another another year of shows. <laughs> right here. That's right. We're looking forward to it. I hope yep. you are too. Yeah. Thank you again. And uh, thank you. All. Have a great, uh, happy holidays and and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Be safe, please, please, please. Oh, I need yeah. to highlight my. There we go. All right. Thank you. We're out. All right. Thanks a lot. Roll the outro. Thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.